0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired NYPD sergeant. And with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Not bad. You know, I'm going we'll to do a recap on this really uh, sad case that's been covered a lot. Uh, I covered it early on um, when it occurred in, in uh, December 21st, uh, 2020 with Duty Ron. And I followed it ever since, and it's real. We were hoping for a positive conclusion to this, but uh, we're going to get to uh, what's been going on with the case, and um, we'll be back in. We'll be back in a minute.
1: It's a show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories, and some jokes. Even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just ain't enough. Get a little laughter, an interview too. It's maybe the best thing.
0: Here we are back. You know, we were told yesterday um, by Bakersfield, California, District Attorney uh, Cynthia Zimmer in a press conference that Oren and Orson West, um, who were reported missing in December, uh, I believe it was December 21st, 2020, they are now uh, officially declared deceased. And we were told that yesterday in a press conference by uh, District Attorney Zimmer. And I think she spoke pretty damn well. I mean, she's a straightforward person. And I, I mean, she exudes confidence and uh, I, I want to play a little bit of that press conference because it says it much better than we could ever say it. And uh, I'm going to put it on the screen right now and then we'll play it.
2: The community also came out to assist in looking for the boys, but to no avail, they were not located. One week later, Crucial information came to light that necessitated the involvement of the Bakersfield Police Department and the Kern County District Attorney's Office. Law enforcement worked diligently, hundreds of hours in the next 12 months, looking for the boys. This morning, I'm saddened to announce That the investigation has revealed that orrin and orson west are deceased the investigation has also revealed that they died three months before their adoptive parents reported them missing however i am pleased to announce that this week the kern county grand jury indicted Frizzell and Jacqueline West the adopted parents for the murder of Oren and Orson West. The indictment charges five counts. The first count is murder, charges them both with murder with the victim being Orrin West. The second count charges murder with the victim being Orson West. The third count charges felony child abuse against the person of Orrin West. The fourth count charges child abuse against the person of Orson West. And the fifth count charges um, false report of an emergency. Naturally, the first two counts carry the most time in state prison murder. It is charged as murder in the second degree that carries 15 years to life. But with two victims the potential penalty or the maximum possible penalty uh, if convicted is 30 years to life for each defendant Trezell and Jacqueline West. Now the grand jury indictment is a formal charging document and it we followed a process in charging them before the grand jury and that was the district attorney requested that the grand jury convene to hear evidence regarding an indictment that we presented them. The district attorney's Mm -hmm. office then presented information to the grand jury. And uh, the grand jury found there was sufficient evidence to hold Trezell and Jacqueline West uh, responsible for these murders. And they returned what was called a true bill so oftentimes we call it they were indicted but what they did is returned a true bill on the indictment Uh, department one superior court judge issued warrants for the arrest of the defendants and they were uh, arrested last night at about 7 p.m in kern county they are currently in the kern county jail waiting for an arraignment on the indictment which will be tomorrow There will be no preliminary hearing in this case because an indictment is a substitute for a preliminary hearing, and this case will proceed directly to trial. The announcement of an indictment in this case probably raises a lot of questions, questions about the facts of the case and what you and the public would like to know. Um, I'm not permitted to go over the facts of the case in this case, Um, but there is something that I'd like to discuss uh, because the facts of the case are to be uh, what we produce in the jury trial because we want both the prosecution and the defense to have a fair trial in this case. However, one of the questions that I'm sure you would like to know is have the bodies of Orrin and Orson been found? And the answer to that is no. They have not been found. However, I would like to emphasize that Uh, The fact that law enforcement have not found their bodies does not preclude a murder prosecution. As a matter of fact, there have been many hundreds of what we call no-body homicides prosecuted across the United States successfully, and even no-body homicides have resulted in murder convictions in Kern County. I'd like to introduce the people who are standing
0: Well, folks, there you have it. I mean, I think that uh, the District Attorney Cynthia Zimmer really gave a clear, concise uh, report on what, up to date, what's going on. And uh, she later on was, uh, stayed to answer questions. However, she refused to answer any questions that gave any facts of this case up to the press, because as you know, anything that uh, goes out there is discovery material. And if she starts talking about the facts of the case, the defense can actually call her as a witness uh, for saying this in in a public forum. So she wasn't asking questions; let's uh, answering questions. Let's just go back to you know when they were reported missing. Uh, the whole story was not uh, very believable, but it's so easy to look at people and read their body language and say, oh. They're lying, this, that, and the other thing. But you still have to come up with the facts. You have to dissect the facts. You have to do a thorough investigation. And days or a week after they reported uh, Oren and Orson West missed, missing, their other kids were removed. And that is probably when they got this smoking gun information that, in fact, this just was not a missing person. And the story that Trizelle and Jacqueline West told was, was not believable. How heartbreaking to everyone, uh, that over the last 16 months was praying that these two boys would be found alive when all, all those in law enforcement that worked on this case knew for a fact that they were not Philly comments.
3: Yeah. First off, I'd like to just, uh, Give a salute and a a tip of the hat to that district attorney, the Bakersfield Police Department, and especially Duty Run, who has really covered this case right from the beginning. I know he raised money for a billboard. He put a lot of effort and work into this case. Listen, the police department's getting paid for it. The district attorney's also getting paid. Duty Run. Wasn't he? Went out of his way to raise money, and I just want to mention that I think that that uh, says a lot about his character. Um, I'm very impressed with the district attorney in this case, she seems very competent, she seemed very confident, and I am in 100% agreement with the facts that she laid out. Uh, sometimes these cases do take long. Uh, You know, even though no body was recovered, she was very specific in the fact that she said that will not preclude a murder prosecution. As we know, it's difficult. Uh, to uh, proceed with murder charges, not impossible in cases like that. We've talked about it, uh, especially in uh, organized crime cases with Detective Tommy Dades, where they've successfully prosecuted people for the murder of individuals that their bodies and their remains were never recovered. That may well be the case in this case. Uh, But I think that uh, enough investigation has gone into uh, this investigation where they gotten to the point where they as she said in the press conference, they voted a true bill in the indictment. Um, there's probably a ton of uh, information that was garnered when those other children who were in the home were removed. I'm sure it was a painstaking, uh, very delicate situation to question them and to ask them about the whereabouts of uh, little Orrin and Orson, uh, three and four year old uh kids that were placed in the care of these two savages. Um, there was one thing I wanted to bring out, Billy. Um, I read online, uh, she didn't mention it in the, uh, in the press conference, but uh, in the court documents, it said that there was great violence, threat of great bodily harm, uh, or other acts that disclose a high degree of cruelty and viciousness. These are very, very strong terms. And it turned my stomach... To, to read this and this is another part of it that said uh, and i think it refers to the other children also induced others to participate in the commission of the crime i mean we have really depraved individuals and i just hope that there's enough uh of, of a hammer that comes down on them with the criminal justice system that can uh, give them uh some semblance of justice this is a horrific crime i mean these were Two, I mean, they're they're toddlers, three and four years old, and uh, right from the beginning, from what I did uh, do in my research, it sounded like they were uh, they were covering up right from the beginning of this. I mean, it seems like three or four months before the actual reporting of the missing back in uh, 2020. I believe it was December the 21st of 2020. Uh, they believed that the body that the uh, the two individuals, uh, the three and four year old. Oren and Austin were killed three months prior. So again, it's it's stomach turning.
0: This is uh what you're seeing on the screen. This is the picture of uh, their arraignment today. Uh they were both arraigned and they were held um without bail. Um they were they were charged with uh two counts of uh of murder second degree, two counts of willful cruelty to a child and falsely reporting an emergency incident. Um it's this is a, a horrific case. It may be made more horrific by the hope I think that a lot of you folks had uh, following Duty Ron and following some other content um, providers on YouTube that were and mostly Duty Ron. I give all the credit to Duty Ron. He was uh, raising money, he paid out of his own money for a billboard on the side of the highway. And let's also realize that. They were reported missing in California City. However, the real, the murder took place apparently uh, in Bakersfield. And that's why the Bakersfield police and the Bakersfield district attorney got involved. And that's why a grand jury was convened in Bakersfield and not California City. Because in fact, it it appears that the homicide occurred uh, in Bakersfield. I'm going to play a little bit of... This was right after the um, they reported um, Oren and Orson missing. And we commented back then about how horrific, and I'm not, a look, it's so easy after the fact. I said this back then. I said this day one. I don't like their body language. I don't like the fact that Trezell can't even look into the camera. I don't like the fact that the mothers can't stop moving around. The body language was horrific, and the story was also horrific. But I'm just going to play a little bit. Can I just make one
3: quick comment about jurisdiction? I just want to bring out a point. Uh, You talked about the two different locations, whether it was Bakersfield or the other area of California. Um, We've had homicides that, uh, you know, we find a body in one location and it was obvious that the person wasn't killed in that location. And as we do our investigation, we quickly find out that there was a crime scene in a different area. So then the jurisdiction would go to that area. I think that's an important point to point out. Uh, You know, when they originally were reported and then once they started to do the investigation, they revealed that they believe they were killed in this area of Bakersfield. So that's why the jurisdiction was taken over by that uh, that particular district attorney's office.
2: We felt so helpless.
1: And seeing everybody out here really looking and helping out really means a lot.
2: So, tell
1: us what happened the night this kid okay. from <sighs> our yard. Okay. It was cold. I was gonna make a fire. There's a lot of wood in this, this area right here next to our house. I went up that gate. I'm throwing wood, bringing it inside the house. <laughs> My wife's inside. She was actually wrapping gifts, so we thought it was a good idea that they, that our youngest two, go outside and play with chalk on the, the back patio. I do not let them go on the dirt in the backyard I keep them close. So I was playing with chalk. And I came to the house. I saw them there. The one in the house. I came back out. I didn't see them there. I immediately went back in, asked my wife, did you see the boys? She said, no, they should be outside playing with chalk. I said, well, I didn't see them. So I came back outside and I started searching my backyard. I searched the whole thing. I realized that I left the gate open and I panicked, came inside the house, searched the house, me and my wife. Once that hadn't pan out, I got in the van. I looked down the street, both directions. It was getting dark, getting cold. And I got in the van and I hit a bunch of corners. I went down this street. I turned my light on. I searched, I searched, I called their names. Talked to a gentleman on the street on the other side over there. He didn't see me. So then I came home, and I told my wife, we need to call the cops. Uh, It's getting dark, and I need help. We got to get going. So I called the cops. Cops came. First thing they did was tell us to stay in the house so they can get a hold of us. And they had us just sitting there, and we wanted to keep searching. But everybody came out in droves. And I wanted to thank you guys that night, but we couldn't go outside. The cops told us the best are out here. The best are out here searching and we appreciate it. And nobody ever could tell we could never talk to anybody. And that was the issue. We just want to thank everybody. We really want to and, thank uh, you guys. Please if anybody has seen them please call. Let somebody know it it call the cops. Call California's the city police department. Call them and let them know what you've seen if you see anything. Our boys they they are going to be rambunctious, okay? Uh, they are going to be here in this area. And I really would like to go in the houses, but it's not because I want to invade people's privacy. I just want to know if make they sure. make sure. That's it. Because I don't... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. If you got any questions. Oh, no, you're good. Oh, okay. I, I was just going to say...
0: You know, this is the first time we're hearing from you guys. and I can't imagine what you guys are going through. I can't even fathom it. Um, for you guys,
1: for people who are thinking uh, that there's some kind of foul play
0: involved. Um, you know, we just spoke to the biological mother. She says she had a conversation with you guys um, and that she thinks there's some kind of foul play involved. That She thinks you guys did something.
1: And that's understandable. What's your, what's your response to that? That's understandable. I would think the same thing. Yeah, I mean that's
0: exactly. You know, folks. As I said, I'm no body language expert. However, when someone's got their arms crossed in front of them, uh, not even being interrogated, but just giving a presentation to the press, to me that uh, reeks of defensiveness. That you're being defensive. You know, he's taking a defensive posture for sure. Yes, exactly. And the fact that um, Jacqueline, the wife, she can't stop moving. She's just move, rocking back and forth she neither one of them can look straight ahead. They're looking down almost uh during this entire interview and again it's it's again I'm no body language expert, but this is pretty telling
3: how about the fact Billy that uh they were just accused of being involved in uh, you know, a nefarious, uh, the, the disappearance of these two children, that the the biological mother, that reporter just said that she's accusing you of of being involved in this. And their, their posture, again, I mean, somebody just accused you of, you know, uh, bringing harm or, or, or lying about two missing children, and you're not going to become raised up. That was odd to me right there.
0: Yeah. It, it, just let's watch a little more of this and then we'll comment on it. Let's
1: know. And that's all I want is to find a baby, that's it. And I talked to her this morning and I really wanted to tell her that um, I am completely sorry because we were entrusted with her children and they came to us and they became our children. We named them and they are, they are our children. And so we want them back. So please, if y'all could get back on your what you guys are doing we we'll should we should be able to get a hold of somebody, but they took all of our tech, so they wanted to, I guess, uh, just rule us out, which makes sense as part of the investigation.
2: So you guys willfully gave them your everything. Yes. The car. Yes. Did they get a? How did they get a search warrant? Did
1: you guys- I don't oh, know. I-
0: well, folks, one of the things that immediately after that, the, the, the police, when they conducted their investigation, they realized that Trizel only searched for the kids for about ten minutes in his car, and he—they they tracked where he actually went. And a four-year-old and a three-year-old with an open gate—and if he discovered it right away, they couldn't have gotten very far away, you know. And just the, all of their conduct was really outrageous but having said that and having been involved in these missing person cases and these uh, searches, the investigative part is so so important or else you know you're spinning your wheels think of the thousands of man hours the thousands of people that searched for these two boys and the thousands the millions of people that were worried about them and and cried about them that and and hoped and prayed that they were, would be found and these two all along, know that these two boys are dead, and it, it, in fact, if you listen to the press conference with the district attorney Cynthia Zimmer, they were killed three months before this night, the night that they reported them missing. So just, just incredible. And but that's why police and good investigators we pick up on this stuff. And you know, there's there's some good pictures of the boys right there. I mean, just horrific, horrific situation. And you look at these two, you talk about even if you don't know what this case was about, you look at their body posture, and 100% a defensive posture they're taking right there.
3: Absolutely, Billy. And, uh, you know, uh, th- their their mannerisms, and again, like I said, they were accused of being involved in some type of foul play. The, uh, the reporter said that The biological mother thinks that they're involved after she spoke with them. That right there was very telling and they didn't become uh, upset about that. They go, oh yeah, that's to be expected. They were very, almost too accommodating. And um, again, they, they said they gave up their electronics and stuff. doesn't sound like they gave it up. It sounds like there was a subpoena involved. So again, uh, very telling of how the investigation started uh, a lot of the steps that they took in the beginning, uh, these were all very important things that, uh, were done, uh, right from the start. Again, like you just cited, Billy, it could show the uh, location that he went on the search. Uh, it could bring other questions into, into play. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, extensive interviews were done in and around the area where they live to see if, uh, you know, when was the last time that these two little boys were seen by anybody, maybe relatives, uh there must be a tremendous amount of, uh, evidence investigation that went into this case. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of evidence. Um, I would like, uh, if the, uh, they believe the boys are deceased, if the remains were recovered, I think that would just really put a, uh, a lid on any type of, uh, you know, outside outlier information regarding, you know, maybe somebody else did it or something to that effect, or they're still alive. So I I would, uh, I would definitely want to have the body or the remains recovered. But again, it's not impossible to try a prosecution. And as the DA Zimmer said,
0: Uh, duty, Ron is in the chat duty, Ron, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. He says, where are the boys? Thank you, Bill and Phil for this coverage. Justice will be served. And there's no one that did a better job with this case than
2: duty, Ron. Do Ron.
0: He went above and beyond. He spoke Absolutely. to the um, the police chief. He spoke to a local reporter. He's got people on the ground that he's talking to. So he, w- he was always on the pulse of this investigation. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. And if you like this channel, uh, our presentations are from the inside, a police perspective. Uh, please subscribe to us on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. And we, if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And the folks you see in the chat with the green font, they're part of our, our channel members, our YouTube family. We appreciate all you guys so much. So right now, you know, that's a that's a good point, Phil. One of the things that they'll want to do, and, and this will go post-prosecution, of course, um, is to find the, the bodies of... of uh, or in and Orson West. But now you have to realize that if um, Trezell and Jacqueline give that up, it's a equivalent of pleading guilty. So perhaps after a trial and after, hopefully they found guilty, that maybe in some kind of plea bargain, maybe they will tell where the boys' bodies are so we can have some closure with this case, that the boys can get a proper a burial that people that love these boys can uh, have closure. And hopefully the trial itself will open up a lot of eyes as to what actually occurred here. And I'm sure the horrors, the horrors that occurred during this case, when we're hearing in the indictment that possibly the other children were taking part in in the torture of these kids, just just horrific. Totally horrific, Billy. You know, I would uh, venture to say that,
3: um, based on the indictments and stuff. Now, uh, discovery will be turned over to the defense attorneys, depending on what involvement they think the mother or the father had in the actual crime itself, causing the death of these two young boys. Um, the one that might be less culpable uh, the attorney may want to uh, approach the district attorney's office and enter into some type of cooperation agreement. I don't think uh, we're talking about no jail time, obviously, but uh, you know, I don't know, uh, m- maybe if they're facing 30 or 40 years in jail, maybe a chance for parole at some point, depending on what their culpability is. So I think that that what might be a uh, one of the avenues that the defense attorneys may want to take. Again, if the husband was mostly responsible, maybe the wife can turn on him or vice versa. And, you know, uh, providing the location where these two little boys remains are, uh, might bring a little bit more closure to the biological family, uh, the biological parents. Um, I don't know what the reason or the, uh, you know, what the situation was that they were removed and placed with these two savages. But uh, again, that's still a mother, uh, whatever her issues are, it's still a father, whatever their issues were. So uh, maybe some justice can be brought for them and they can, these two little boys could get a, a proper, proper burial.
0: Richella Pranzo, thank you for that. Their real names are sincere and classic. The West changed their names when they got uh, custody. Uh, I think most people over at know them uh, as Oren and Orson West. So we're going to just stay with that just to avoid the confusion. But thank you very much uh, for apprising us of that. I know Duty Ron would sometimes refer to them as sincere and classic, but uh, most of the paperwork, even the court documents are saying Oren and Orson West. So who knows if they were ever, their names were ever legally changed, you know? You know, one of the things that this sheds light on and always uh, seems to shed light on it is the whole child welfare system. Um, how fit of parents were these two? Uh, I, I asked early on in this investigation, what does uh, Trizel do for a living? It didn't seem like he had a job. You know, how is he supporting f- six kids? They had four other kids, two biological, two other adopted, and Orrin and Orson. So how was it possible that they adopted two kids? It didn't seem like he had any source of income, yet they owned a home. I, I mean, baffling to me. Those things don't add up to me. And what it says to me is that maybe he's making money in some criminal activity because it doesn't seem like he has a job that he goes to every day. So that those questions I would have for child welfare. How come this was never checked out? How come, did, what did were they ever investigated? Did they have a social worker assigned to this family? I mean, you know, it just, I, I remember at one time when I was in Manhattan North Homicide, we went to a, a case in the housing project of a five-year-old girl who was dead. Five-year-old girls don't belong getting dead. And we did our investigation, we noticed She had a propofol patch on her neck. And we said to the mother, who turned out to be uh, not an adopted mother, you know, a foster care mother that gets paid to adopt this child, she goes, oh, she was having a little headache. She was having a little headache? And where'd you get that patch from? Oh, it's my friend's. You put a narcotic patch that's meant for real severe pain for an adult on a 5-year-old child? Yes, and that's what killed the child. We were like baffled that that, in fact, my detective was so upset that he insisted to the district attorney she be charged with murder second degree, and she was not. uh, The district attorney didn't feel that the charge fit, and I believe she got some real low level of manslaughter, but just the stupidity of something like that. And with these two, again, in the same vein, I questioned how were these two allowed to adopt four children. And it didn't seem like they had any real source of
3: income. You know, Billy, uh, in the foster care system and, uh, you know, in in the family court system in New York, we just recently had a case where uh, foster children uh, were living in a home and uh, the Male in the home was actually a pimp, was pimping off the children. They were teenage girls. Uh, so, yeah, th- there needs to be welfare checks in these cases. Now, they're saying that these two were adoptive parents. Uh, you know, uh, even in an adoptive situation, there really should be some type of welfare checks. I mean, uh, you know, they might put on the uh, the happy face when uh, th- th- their first, you know, uh, uh, interdicted by the, the you know, the adoptive, uh, the, the welfare system or the, the social workers. But again, you need to do some follow ups, unannounced follow ups. And, uh, you know, maybe speaking to the other children in the home could have precluded something like this. I just think that this case is probably going to shine a spotlight on that. And uh, maybe uh, these other cases that I, the, the one that I was talking about in New York recently, where, uh, you know, the foster care system, uh, if you take in a foster child in in the New York area, New York City, uh, I, I believe it's, you know, like maybe twelve or $1,500 a month that they give you to take care of this child. So that may be how... Uh, you know, a person uh, like this uh, Trezell, I believe his name is, was able to uh, not work or whatever. I don't know if there's if there was uh, some funding coming from the, you know, from the local uh, uh, family court uh, system. But uh, again, there really needs to be some uh you know, intensive, uh, scrutiny on foster homes and adoptive homes. When you have situations like this, this is something that probably could have been avoided. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback, but, uh, when you look at all the details of what was going on, it doesn't sound like these kids were killed in a, in a fit of rage. It sounds like this was abuse that was taking place over a period of time.
0: Yeah. hundred percent, you know, someone, someone in the chat actually, uh, corrected me and thank you so much. I got, My senility is showing. I said propofol patch. It was actually a fentanyl patch, and you're 100% correct. I couldn't remember. I was thinking propofol is uh, the—it's a narcotic they give you when you have surgery. Yeah, that's an anesthetic. Really? Yeah. This was a fentanyl, but I mean fentanyl is quite powerful, and it—you know—and also if it's given for someone for pain, an adult with a prescription, uh, you know, it doesn't belong on the neck of a five-year-old girl that's having a little headache. Just think of the stupidity of that, Mickey Mantle. Thank you so much for the twenty dollars super chat. Uh, thanks, Bill and Phil, always an inspiration. Thank you guys so much for supporting Thank us you. here. You know these horrific child abuse cases. I mean, I've seen, I've seen cases where we had a case one time in Manhattan, North homicide, where a, a little two, a one or two year old drowned in a bucket of vomit that the mother was drunk and sick, and the baby actually fell into the bucket. It was just, oh, I mean, you yeah. just can't even make this stuff up. It's so horrific. And those are the things that you take with you the rest of your life. You know, I've had cases where mothers w- who were told not to sleep in the bed with an infant rolled over on the infant and suffocated the baby. Yeah. And this was this was one had a one had a second time. It happened to this one woman twice. And she was told never to do it again. She did it again. So you cannot make this stuff up. This is the horrific stuff that we in law enforcement see. And thank God, you know, there's these people that Uh, And this district attorney, I just, Cynthia Zimmer, I was so impressed by her. She really, she gave such a great presentation. And you know that this investigation, it's not over. It's not over this investigation. It's not over until you hear the the jury read the guilty verdicts on these two. And so they got to keep working on this case, present the strongest possible case they can. And of course, if they possibly can, recover the bodies of Sincere and Classic, if you prefer, or Oren and Orson West.
3: You know, Bill, I just want to make a quick point about that patch you were talking about, that fentanyl pouch. You know, when narcotics are uh, dispensed uh, by a doctor or a pharmacist, they take in the uh, body weight of a person. So the mass, you know, a, an adult that might be 150, 200 pounds, the dose that's given to that person, a small uh, 20 or 30 or 40-pound child would uh, definitely be way more, uh, uh, you know, uh, affected by this uh, narcotics, specifically a fentanyl. It's very, very powerful stuff. So again, I know it sounds like a public service uh, address or announcement, but, you know, you got to, you can't give the same dosage for any kind of a pain or a narcotic for, for an adult to a child. It's very, very dangerous. And well, that, obviously- that's why
0: a prescription is written for the person who it is intended to. Exactly. You know, that rem- like That reminds me when you said the weight of something, that reminds me of a, of a sort of a humorous story. Andre the Giant, the gigantic wrestler, yeah. weighed, I think, 450 to 500 pounds. He was having surgery. And the anesthesiologist had no idea how much anesthesia to give him. So he brought him into his office and he said, when you drink, how much beer does it take before you feel even a buzz? He goes, about a case before I first start feeling a buzz. Wow. So like that gave him like an idea of how much narcotic he needed to get to put Andre the Giant. It has nothing to do with this case. No, but it's a good point,
3: Billy, because you're talking about somebody that was like seven feet tall and four or 500 pounds, as opposed to a normal, you know, an average human that's, let's say, 5'8 or 5'10 and, you know, 180 pounds. Uh, it's gonna take maybe double or triple amount to to knock that person out. so that's that's one of the good points. and uh, again, uh, not to get off the subject of this horrible, horrible case, but I think that these are things that you know, listen, somebody hears that uh, a person that thought they were doing something, you know, a uh, kid had a headache or whatever and puts this silly patch on with fentanyl and kills the kid. you know, God forbid it could be uh, it could be uh, prevented.
0: Sure. single mama four, first of all, great to see you back. I haven't seen you in a while. Please, off the cuff, you guys rock. Thank you so much. You rock, too, Single Mama 4. Thanks for all your support. Uh, Pete Pranzo, Harlem Raiders, thank you, Pete, all your support. You and Rachelle, you guys have been with us since the very beginning. The Pranzos love them. That's right. Karen Newsom, they was crooked to let them force and adopt. They aren't about to check in on them. Uh, Look, there's there's a lot of things wrong with the foster care system, not just in – Bakersfield, not just in California City, but nationally because they don't put enough money into it. You know, So the old adage, you get what you pay for. These social workers, that they, they, they're they overworked. Some of them have 100, 200 clients uh, and then you want to hold them accountable to the letter of the law. Tough to do when they're overworked because they can't possibly do the, their best job when they're, they have that many clients to visit but at the same time at the same time we have to point the finger maybe at the government maybe you got to get a bigger budget for this you know Good point,
3: Billy. I mean, I'm sure these people are overworked. Uh, And then, you know, they may have a caseload. I don't know what an average caseload would be for a child care representative, but let's say they have 30 cases. But then a call comes in about a specific individual in a home. That's going to take precedent. And whatever that uh, investigator or that that social worker was going to do that day um, would be put on the back burner because they're going to run out and try and uh, interdict something that could be very dangerous. Uh, Again, there's priority priorities in these in these situations and uh there really should be a limit on how many uh, cases uh, or investigations that a, uh, a social worker can handle. They really should be. And again, we're talking dollars and cents here. Now the budgets go up. And uh, I believe that, uh, you know what? With all the money that the politicians squander, that should become priority number one. The children of, uh, of each city, county, state, whatever it is, should really be number one. I mean, we spend money on a lot of ridiculous things.
0: Shouldn't that come first? Absolutely. so Milwaukee civilian. Thank you for the 499 super chat. Rose 1033. I do not mean to disparage foster care at all. I'm absolutely an, an advocate and an ally of them. All I'm saying is they need to pay them more money and they need to have bigger budgets and they need to give them less um, work, less amount of clients because they can't possibly do their best job when they have just too many cases for a single person to handle.
3: You know Billy she makes a great point uh Rose uh, 1033 there's thousands of children in foster care system and there's only a small amount of these type of cases but i just think that one is too many and obviously that's the point we're trying to make we're not trying to disparage any uh people you know it takes a special kind of a family to take in children to help them in a time of need so you know kudos to those people and again we're not trying to disparage but i think we could all be in agreement that if one child is placed in a vicious, I mean, the, the the descriptions that we heard, vicious beatings, it sounds like, uh, you know, and then uh, wind up uh, being deceased, one is definitely too many.
0: No, absolutely. You know something, folks, in my job, um, and not when I was in homicide, I was on patrol. I was a sergeant 22 years out of my 27 years. So you might say, wow, yeah, just because I couldn't pass the lieutenant's test. So I stayed a sergeant for 22 years. but you know, something. sometimes that's what you were meant to do in life. And for me, I was meant to do that. And look, I wound up in one of the greatest units uh, you could be in, and that was Manhattan North Homicide Squad. If I wasn't, if I would have made lieutenant, I would have been mostly an administrative job, and that wasn't me. But, uh, well, let's get off me for a second. I'm just saying, folks, one of my one of my jobs as a sergeant, a patrol sergeant, was to go to these potential child abuse locations and if necessary remove the kids remove. and i and it was my decision as a police sergeant a sergeant of police to make the decision and the word we used was imminent danger imminent danger for the child's mental or physical well-being uh you know and that could be determined in numerous ways if there wasn't enough food in the house if they weren't getting enough care they weren't getting enough emotional care if they were being physically abused And I have removed lots of kids, you know, and it was never an easy call and it was not anything I ever took lightly and I never wanted to take someone's kids from them. But to me, the uh, well-being of the kid overrode the the protests of the parents as I took the kid away.
3: You know, Billy, in my career, I always had a soft spot in my heart, obviously for children and the elderly. Those two things, when I would see a child being abused or an elderly person being abused, Uh, it would really raise me up and my blood would begin to boil and I would want to do anything and everything that I can to help that person. Obviously everybody in between two as well. But you know, when you, when you, you, you become extra sensitive when it's a child or if it's a person that's elderly, that I guess, uh, they're, they're at a handicap, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I was always for the underdog, so that's the way I always tried to, uh, you know, uh. Uh, do my job, Uh, maybe just a little extra oomph when it was a child or an elderly person. But uh, you know, these two on the screen right now, uh, they're disgusting. They are the epitome of adoptive parents or uh, foster care parents. And uh, let's hope that uh, with the case going forward, that uh, justice is served. And uh, again, we're going to find out more uh, of the details as time goes on. Uh, with discovery and uh, with the hearings and the trial going forward. Um, it's probably not going to be uh, very pleasant stuff, but I think, uh, uh, you know, we need to hear it. And uh, hopefully justice will be served in a very swift and uh, orderly fashion with these two.
0: You know, uh, trazelle said something very interesting when we played that little um, video of when they first reported the boys missing. And he said something almost exactly like what Don Wells said. He said, oh, I wish I could go inside people's houses to see if the kids were in their houses. Is that, you know, when we talk about a Freudian slip or a a guilty statement, is that where that's coming from? It seems like it is because he's making a guilty statement and trying to cover his tracks by pointing the guilt elsewhere.
3: Yeah, that that seems like... uh a self-serving type of statement, so to speak. And, and Billy, I'm so glad that you brought up the Summer Wells case because I really, uh, don't want to let that case go. That's, that's a horrible case that uh, she's been missing for quite some time now. And again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and I would hope and pray that there's going to be some type of, uh, you know breaking the case whether it would with, with the help of God that she's found alive but if not uh we want to see whoever's responsible for her disappearance to be brought to justice as well and uh yeah uh, that statement that he made uh, that does sound like a, a self-serving statement uh again you know you have to try and you know use a little psychology put yourself in the mind of a person that's guilty and why they would be saying uh, the thing that they would be saying. And again, one of the major red flags with me in that uh, that little uh, press conference that you showed with, uh, with uh, Trizell, uh and Jacqueline, um, you know, him being accused of foul play and not becoming uh, I would become enraged if somebody accused me of being involved in foul play of a little three and four year old uh, brothers. So uh, again, that was the red flag for me.
0: Folks, just a little recap. Um, Jacqueline and Giselle uh, were arraigned today. They were arraigned for two counts of murder, uh, two counts of willful cruelty to a child, and uh, falsely r- reporting an emergency incident. Uh, and they were held without bail. Uh, they were both indicted by a grand jury. The grand jury investigation has been going on for a while now. And uh, the district attorney in this case does not wish to let any of the information get out because they want to try this case in court, not in the court of public opinion or not in the press. So she was very cool. Her press conference was really excellent. And she gave a lot of credit to both uh, the Bakersfield police chief, as well as the California city police chief. They both got up and spoke um to the press and to the audience. And you can imagine that they've been living with this case for, I believe, over sixteen months. And um so their their folks, they're the the people that work for both of those departments, uh they suffered through this. They all had hope that these boys would recover be recovered alive. And the hope was dispelled with this um press conference. With the information that they, and you know something, I'm glad that they allowed the information to get out. Cynthia Zimmer put it out there. If this was the FBI, they would hold this close to the vest till the case was over. And it sort of uh, allows the public and everyone else to take a big sigh of of not really relief because it's not closure, but the fact that the hope is over as far as finding these boys alive. Billy, I
3: wonder if the $120,000 reward played into, uh, you know, any of the facts of this case. I know that uh, as of February the 4th, uh, 2021, which is just about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, the reward was up to $120,000. That sometimes will, uh, you know, help people come forward with information. Uh, I was involved in a case not long ago where uh, a $50,000 reward was offered for information on a specific perpetrator. And uh, sure enough, two people came forward and they both collected $25,000 apiece, uh, which also led to the successful prosecution of that person for a murder. So, uh, again, money does uh, sometimes uh, open people up to uh, cooperation. So uh, I guess that will be something we'll, uh, we'll find out down the line.
0: Melissa Amoroso, um, have they said how they know that those beautiful little babies were deceased three months prior to reporting them missing? No, the DA wasn't um, offering that up. However, they had four other kids in that household. Those kids were brought in by foster care. Those kids were spoken to by foster care. Those kids were spoken to by law enforcement. I'm pretty sure that's how they found out about it. And. That's, that evidence, I'm sure, was um, they also have conducted search warrants, electronic eavesdropping warrants, uh, so they, they connect the dots together, and uh, they're, I'm pretty sure that their information is accurate.
3: I'm sure that uh, their behavior changing may be part of it. Uh, whatever information they garnered from those other children, uh, you know, investigators go through painstaking interviews and information that they gather, and then they come to a conclusion and they seem pretty specific about the three months. So, uh, you know, maybe that's the last time that these children uh, were you know, maybe to a doctor's appointment or seen by other people. Uh, again, they probably narrowed it down after uh, extensive interviewing and uh, information that they gathered in the investigation.
0: Yeah, you know, the the thing was, is that um, one of the ways they also eliminated the uh, California city home, uh, they sort of closed the door on that they were ever missing from there is that they were never, ever seen at that home. Ever, There was no evidence that anyone saw them in that home. So that became like, you know, something that was, they tried to report them missing from there. And just think of that. That's a guilty thing to do too. Let's keep them far away from where it actually happened. And let's tell the police that it happened here instead of, I believe Calabar Bakersfield is like 90 miles away from uh, from California city. So all of that information, investigating, doing a checklist, you know, connecting the dots, doing all your interviews, I'm sure that they know what the truth is.
3: Yeah, and I think it would be safe to say that uh, the murders uh, occurred in the uh, jurisdiction of Bakersfield, obviously. And, uh, you know, uh, as time goes on, again, through discovery and through the trial, we're going to find out. Uh, Just how they came to these conclusions. We may not find out today. Uh, Again, uh, kudos to that district attorney. She seemed very competent, like I said earlier, and uh, I'm sure that we'll get the answers to a lot of the questions. Uh, it's just unfortunate. This is, this is, uh, you know, I, I love to do the podcast with you, Bill, but this is a day that, uh, you know, we really don't want to be doing this. You know, we'd rather be having dinner with our families than doing this specific show about such a horrible thing. But, uh, again, I think it does need to be profiled and highlighted. So here we are. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good case. It's, it's, uh, it's a horrible, horrible ending. So
0: no absolutely but at least we're going to we're going to know for sure what happened you know i just want to say before we close uh, folks uh again i i want to give tremendous kudos to duty Ron, who unselfishly followed this case for 16 months uh contributed his own money uh for that billboard on the side of the road uh you know find our boys uh and he he kept this case alive you know And believe it or not, sometimes by doing that, you keep law enforcement really motivated and other people involved in this case, other journalists, keep them motivated to keep this case on the front burner. These two little precious boys that we we now found out uh, in the words of uh, ADA Zimmer, excuse me, District Attorney Zimmer, that they are, in fact, uh, deceased. And we found that out in, in the press conference uh, Philly final words yeah hats off to
3: uh duty run that's the guy that he is he is truly a good man, a good human being. And he's retired from the NYPD and still, uh, manages to do community service, so to speak. And, uh, God bless him. I just wanted to give a quick plug for something that I'm going to be doing on this Saturday at 9 PM on the uh, oxygen network There's going to be a show called, uh, New York homicide where a relative mine of mine was killed in 2016. I do an interview on that episode and, uh, the guy was eventually arrested and, uh, brought to justice. So uh, if any uh, any of our subscribers want to check it out, it's on the Oxygen Network this Saturday, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, again, uh, God bless those two little boys. Uh, let's get justice for them. Let's hope that these two animals that they are are uh, given the maximum, uh, convicted and given the maximum jail term. And again, God bless the, their little souls.
0: Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, shout out to duty Ron for doing all this great work and a uh, shout out to this district attorney, Cynthia, uh, Zimmer, who just did an amazing job. Absolutely. All her investigators, the California police, California city police, the Bakersfield police. And even though this is not the closure that we all wanted it, uh, the case is now going. we're going to get justice in this case. And that's, uh, so important. So folks, from Police Off the Cuff, my name is Bill Cannon, and with my co host, Phil Grimaldi, have a safe night and thanks for tuning in.
3: Stay safe, everyone.
1: One
2: episode just enough.